Bonjour, je suis Sébastien Durand et vous écoutez le Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 40 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molly, your host. We are adding in an extra episode this week. Normally do one a week. This week, we had a great guest with Sebastian Duran. Sebastian keeps a low profile online, but he's regarded as one of the best tennis fitness coaches in the world. He's worked with countless of great players and for the past 10 years, he's been working with Grigor Dimitrov. With the current challenging times of COVID-19, I thought this was a great opportunity to speak to Sebastian, who wants to give us his input on what players, parents, and everybody else stuck indoors can do to turn these times into an opportunity. He tells us how he's dealing with COVID-19 with his family. He tells us his road to becoming a top tennis trainer, as well as giving advice to players, parents on how they can deal with COVID-19, what they should be doing with training and how they can turn this situation into an opportunity for players to work on their weaknesses. I really enjoyed this conversation with Sebastian and I'm 100% sure you will too. Okay, let's go. Hello, Sebastian. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Hello, thank you. Happy to share. Great to have you on. And during these tough times where tennis players, tennis trainers, tennis coaches, and a lot of other people are stuck at home and can't get out and can't train. So looking forward to hearing some advice from you. So first of all, how are you getting on? What day is this for you? It's actually the day number 10 for us. Stay at home and um, we try, we're going to talk, I think, a bit later, but we try to manage between the between our work, our job and uh, the kids and the sport of the kids and the homework of the kids. And uh, <laughs> so it's kind of a different uh, organization and different schedule every day, but we always need to find a solution and find a way to, to, to do it. So, yeah. You have a bit of a routine at the moment, so. The first thing I wanted to do, and you wanted to do with my wife, was for sure to create structure and routine because, especially for the kids, when they don't have school, they can sleep whatever and they can wake up and do the, the school anytime. So we keep on putting an alarm clock for sure every morning. We wake up and then we have the homework. Like at 9, we start the homework. At 8.30 or 9, we start the homework. You know, so we, we keep routines like this, even if it's a bit more... Um, we adjust a little bit more for sure, but we put routine every day. They do some some sport. We try to go outside a little bit to move. Yeah, we try to really create uh, routines like this. We share a bit more time with them if, if we can, for sure. But uh, definitely the fact to create structure is super important. If not, there's no rule and it becomes a bit of a mess inside the house. <laughs> yeah, no. So I think it's important, especially if if it's one week, it's okay like holidays or two weeks. But for the moment, now we are 10 days. Most probably it's going to be four, five, six weeks. So, and we don't know. So, How many days did it take you to discover you needed a routine? 
yeah, since the day one, we said we need to keep the structure. That that's super important. We 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 decide that not to to strict structure. I would say, but uh, it's not because you are one or two minutes late at the homework. That you know, it's not like when you go to school, <laughs> for sure. But still, to create routine, it's super important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we take the sun when the sun is out. We try to take the sun for sure. So yeah, it's kind of it's different kind of rhythm, but we still uh, we still try to put structure every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's important. Yeah, that's really interesting. Only yesterday, now we're a few days behind you, we're a good few days, but only yesterday I discovered myself that I sort of found my routine. I just, I didn't want to write down and say, this is what I have to do. I just had to find it a bit natural. And yesterday was yeah. the first day where I felt a bit more, okay, well, I get up in the morning, I do a bit of work, then our baby gets up, I we all get breakfast together, then I do some exercise and then do a bit more work, then we go for a walk. So it was a bit it took a few days for me to find a natural routine, which I think I have now, which is great. But yeah. So some people are different. But great that you knew straight away, look, we need routine here, especially when you have the kids who are a bit older, they're full of energy and it's Yeah, yeah. This and and even in a week we try to keep the um, we try to keep the weeks as they normally have for example the weekend we try to get the homework because the weekend they don't work so same we try even in the week to because if not you don't know if it's monday or tuesday or sunday or yeah <laughs> you're a little bit lost uh, all the days are the same so we try to create the same like uh, today is like a school day so we keep on on working and then when it's the weekend it's a bit more fun I mean, we try to make it a bit more fun. Actually, for the moment, we had to leave only one weekend. So it's just the beginning. But <laughs> and because it's, I think it's important to create this structure too, because we really have to think long-term process. And it's good the first week, you know, oh, it's nice, we are home, we do this, we do that. But then let's see in four or five weeks, that's a different story. And uh, I think it's important not to create boring routines but in the same time to create structure I would say great that's important really good you like doing a bit of exercise yourself you like some running how I know it's day 10 how have you done any exercise how have you dealt with it yeah 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 uh, I have the chance to have a, a home trainer at home so I can bike that's good and uh, in the same time we are allowed to go out outside no more than one hour but i can still go and run a little bit but my main goal at the moment is not really trying to improve on anything it's just to keep healthy and keep in shape i would say but i, I know i'm not gonna try to be like uh, overtrained during those moments it's just to keep the shape that's my for me that's my main goal yeah yeah yeah. I think that's the main goal for a lot of people, just to try and maintain where yeah, they are. Yeah, and not to gain weight, not to gain weight. <laughs> well, what about, we did have some food tips on functional tennis during the week. And for me, the three food tips were, one was you're using less energy, so eat less, make your meals smaller or have one less meal. Two was uh, hide the junk food or buy less junk food. So just put them in places where you don't normally look. And three was have a cutoff time at nighttime where you stop eating because a lot of people eat junk food late at night. And if you say, okay, after 7.30, we don't eat. So what, what, do you have any tips? What would be your one main eating tip that you could tell us? Yeah, because I mean, I, for sure, I study a little bit how many steps I do a day. And the day that I don't do too much, I'm around 5,000 steps a day. And uh, when I do, I go at uh, 10, 12, 13,000 steps, which is not a lot, not 
only I'm more like at 15 to 20,000 steps when I run a little bit, when I, I move in my day, you know, normal day. So for sure, our uh, consumption of energy is is divided nearly by two every day. So it's it's kind of mix for me, the nutrition of finding a balance between for sure not getting weight and not having the junk food for sure. But in the same times, uh, we need the human system to be strong too. So, for example, to go on diet for me would be a mistake because we need to have the human system at the top. So for sure, the, to keep like uh, fresh uh, veggies, fruits, it's really something important. Keep a little bit the carbs. I mean, keep again the structure in the meal. Having like a breakfast. Person have the habit to have a, like a breakfast, lunch, little snack, and dinner. For sure, to make everything a little bit lighter than normal. But in the same times, to have like a solid amount of food and energy because we need to not to store, but we need to have a good uh, human system important at the moment. No, I, I think the fruits and the vegetables are important. Keep the immune system up and it's really important. Oh, maybe we just need to buy smaller plates. Yeah, for sure. This uh, this and uh, and about the, 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 the food is really like not because we are home and the food is close to us all the time. So it's really not to have that kind of reflex. Oh, okay, I go, I grab a little things. I go, I grab a little things. So that's important just to, to keep this structure again. That's super important for me structure 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 okay well enough about covid19 at the moment tell me you're a physical trainer to some great tennis players dimitrov you've worked with other players which i'll find out about how did you get into personal training but before that did you play tennis as a kid yeah oh yeah i I started playing tennis since i'm four years old my parents i I think i start a little bit like everybody my parents play tennis a little bit and while they were playing i I got bored a little bit on side so they give me one racket and they told me oh just take this racket here is a ball and do whatever you want for one hour and then i found a wall (laughs) and then my wall became my best friend so i started hitting balls i was four or five and then you know after it's the classic things then you start playing and playing and then you have some you have the coaches and then after you start putting some matches when you're seven, eight, nine years old and then you're into it, you love the competition, then your parents help you, bring you to the tournaments, to the to the practice. So yeah, definitely I wanted like all the kids I had the pictures in my bedroom. I went to Roland Garros and you know I I live unbelievable. I was completely passionate by tennis. I wanted to to be pro for sure. Like this is what is shining when you're a kid. Oh, and who was your inspiration? Who was your favorite player when you were a young kid? I loved Ivan Lendl a lot, and I love for me the the best memory was uh, for me. But I was a bit older. It was the winning of Frank Garros of Thomas Muster because I was exactly playing the way I, I the way it was. Oh yeah, I was pretty physical. I was five minutes behind the baseline and I was <laughs> pushing the ball into the court, expecting that the other miss on clay. So <laughs> it was. But I but I love I love the, the I remember like ninety three ninety four was an amazing year amazing year with Jim Courier with Sergi Boga. I mean it was amazing moments for me to especially the Roland Garros moment was crazy it was tough for me to study at school because I wanted to see all the matches starting at 11 in the morning go to 8 or 9 p.m I could not miss one matches it was yeah yeah I was into it <laughs> great did Muster win the French Open after he had his accent in Miami 
Yeah, yeah. The, okay. this, this famous picture was it where he, he had the legs in a cast and mm. then he was still hitting for it. He was like, yeah. Machine. He yeah. was a machine. When did you stop play tennis or when did the dream come to an end? So after the thing is, when I was like 13, 14, I realized pretty quickly that my level was not good enough because I was not in a top French player of my age. And I don't know exactly how, but I know I realized that I was not made for that. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have a good result, but I said, I want to still live this life of like being on the tour and being in tennis professional life. And this is what I want to do. And I was 13, 13, 13, something like 13 years old. And I say, okay, if I'm not like a tennis player, I will be a coach. I will be a coach of pro player. And I said to myself, I mean, helping with my parents for sure. But this is my goal, what I will do to achieve this goal. And then after that, I start progressively reading. I was passionate already. I bought some book and I still have, have them now. And sometimes I read, I said, I was crazy. I didn't understand what word. It was like a physiology book, biomechanics books. I was 13, 14, 15 years old. I didn't understand one word in the book, but I still love it. The human body, the muscle, how it works, the bone, the ligament, everything. I was in that kind of things. And I remember practicing some of my friends on the beach, trying to do like the longest triple jump or who could run faster to this point, to this point. I mean, it was natural for me. It was, yeah, it was like this. So I studied the sport after. I went at the university to study the sport and I kept on playing tennis to try to have the best level I could do. And it was not very high, but <laughs> actually it was. No, I must be... <laughs> must be it must be good do you still play a bit now i play a little bit but not so much not so much i'm more into now the um, i like the triathlon and especially the running long distance running and uh, the trail running i love it i love it so the problem for me personally with tennis is like when you go in tournament i don't have ranking anymore so i have to go play i did a couple of years ago one one tournament and i had to play one match and then okay you win you play the day after and you play the day after and you play out day after <laughs> and i i passed like i won yeah. like eight matches in a row and i was completely dead at the end i was so every muscle of my body uh because I, I i don't have the habit so no i keep on playing because for sure i love the game and it's i mean tennis is part of my life for sure so yeah and you're never asked to jump in as a practice partner at training sometimes when we had to go or even sometimes with Grigor now a little bit when we have to go two against one or some some things like this sometimes I, I just share uh, just half of the court not for long because after 10 minutes I'm game over but I help for example sometimes if I, I, I put myself on the on the service line and I, I need some first serve you know to help him for the return like this the, the tennis coaches can stay close to him you know so it's that kind of if, I mean, if I can help in this way, I'm happy to to help if Grigor need me for that or if uh, the tennis coach need me for that. Or sometimes it can be just feeding at the basket, some things like this. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to help and share because it's something that I can do and um, and I'm happy to do it if, if they need. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, many trainers can't do that because they don't come from a tennis background. So it's a good skill to have. It's good to be able to join in and help a little bit. I think so. And, and it helps me too to really not only understand the game, because I cannot say that I understand what 
it's to go on a center court to play a semi or a final of slam. I never leave this situation. But to know that uh, when you have to play under pressure or when you have to do forehands or backhands or whatever kind of shot, okay, my level, again, was not like a professional level, but I still know a little bit. So I can still, even now, when I'm thinking about some session on court, some drills on the court, I'm still always trying to reconnect to the court and the needs of the shots. Okay, so on forehand, we're going to work on the open stance, on the wide forehand, or different kind of thing like this. And I try all the time to to make a link with the tennis. And the fact for me to have been a player and a tennis coach helped me too. I, I use it a lot, for sure. And you know what it's like to play eight days in a row too. Yeah, actually, yeah. But when I was younger, it was okay, but now it's different. It's a bit harder when you get older, isn't it? Sometimes we determine here and you may do two or three in a row. And if you do anyway well in the first and second, by the time you get to the third, it's always a first round exit because you're just tired. Anyway, that's old age. But you studied the body in college, university. When was your first job after university? I started uh, coaching tennis when I was uh, 14, 15 years old because I was in my club and they didn't, they needed for the kids. There was no school on Wednesday and they needed just some help. So I was in charge a little bit of some kids. So I was only 15 years old and I, and I love to share my passion. It wasn't me. I, I love that. So I was happy with them to invent some exercise to help them to feel better the forehand or I did some fitness with them on the court. I, again, so I, I really, st- for me, since yeah, I'm 15 years old, I, I did this. And then I continue all the time. When I went to the university, I did more hours. First, I loved it. And then it was good for me to have a bit of money on side of my study. I mean, you have some, some students who have to, unfortunately, sometimes go in, I would say, boring job to find money. But for me, I, I didn't. And still now, even now, I don't see it as a work or a job to to win money, you know, and, and even before it was the same, I, I was at the university and I knew that I had like eight or 10 hours a week that I had to coach either 10 so or, or fitness. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. So this is what I did the time of my university. And then after my last year of the university, I was at the French Federation. It was like a, just a, a stage, you know, like at the end of the university. And then after I was in the club, for three years and I was the main coach of the club uh, taking care about the competition for kids and uh, agile player as the tennis and fitness and then after Patrick Muratoglu called me to ask me if I wanted to join the academy and I said yes <laughs> that's a good call and how did you know Patrick I knew because it was the moment that the academy was growing up uh, it was the eastern of Paris and uh, there were some uh, good players com- who starting to have some results. So we knew a little bit, but there was not a lot of uh, private academies. So it was just the beginning of the academy and the private academy in France. And uh, so I knew it exists with some good player, like before there was Marcos for sure. And uh, there was Pauline Parmentier. There was uh, before Irena Pavlovich too, I remember. And um, so there was some good players like this. And then he, he, he was looking for coaches, for young coaches. And uh, by the time I was 22, 23 years old, and I was full, full of motivation. <laughs> I was ready to do anything. 
I just uh, grad my study. I I read, I don't know, thousands of books. I read so many articles about everything. I was coaches and I say, okay, I don't want to study anymore. I just want to go like fully on court on the, in a gym everywhere, I go in tournament, help players. And, and it was a very good opportunity for me. Like uh, when Patrick asked me, I said, yeah, for sure. I, I go, definitely I go. Was that based in Paris at the time? Yeah, yeah, it was based in Paris at the time. Yeah, yeah. Give me the, the, the first my, my chance to live my passion and to do what I wanted to do. Is uh, he gave you some freedom? Yeah, yeah. The really good thing was he, he trusted me since the beginning, and this was super nice from him because he he helped me in the beginning for sure to understand. But it was an opportunity, and he let me do. And I started with this young kid called Sebastian Lavi from New Zealand, this, this little blonde kid, 11 years old, doing servant volley. It was, it was crazy to see him. It was nice. It was super nice. Oh, yeah. We had him on the podcast last week, uh, Sebastian Lavi. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's doing a good job. He's saying you're doing a bit of work with him. You're working as a consultant with his players over there. Yeah, yeah. It's like a circle now. I'm so happy when, when we... We were always in contact for sure, uh, because after I helped him uh, not on the tennis but on the fitness side too. And then when last year he wanted to open his academy in Oakland, and we we start talking, and he told me, "Do do you want to help me?" I think it took me one second to say, "Yes, for sure, I will help you." I'm so happy to to share this adventure. Uh, overall, to share this adventure because it's the beginning of an academy. It's super nice, and to share, and if I can help and bring my experience especially to Seb. And it's a, it's a nice story. I mean, uh, I was his tennis coach when he was 11 after I was uh, his fitness coach for, for some moments. And then, and now I help him for the, for his academy now. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice story. I love it. Yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. And do you remember, you remember Sam Barry? Yeah. He was a, a monster. He was a rugby player. I loved him too. Super nice guy. Super nice guy. Yeah, he was very good. The, all the all those years at the academy, I spent ten years at the academy, and uh, those ten years was amazing, amazing. I will remember all all my life those years for sure. It was crazy, and even now when I talk to to players who was at the at those moment at the academy, they all say, "Oh, you remember this? You remember that?" Uh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and when we did this, and when we did even Grigor, sometimes we we're talking about some moments. Because yeah, it was it was amazing, amazing years, crazy. It's a good group of guys from the podcast episode last week that Sebastian Lavi mentioned. Some the players who were there, there was a great group of players there, yeah, and yeah. it must have been such a must have been a great for you to work there with these competitive kids who all want to be fitter, better, competing with one another. It probably made your job a bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was there was the competition for sure because it's an individual sport and everybody wanted to compete. But in the same time, it was really a family and uh, everybody was sharing unbelievable moment. And I remember with the restaurant, with the, all the medical stuff we organized, with all the fitness coach, the tennis coach, there was amazing dynamic with... Uh, with everybody who was working there. And uh, it was super nice. It, it, they, they really felt the kids that when they came back, they came back home. They say, I go back home. Sometimes it was not home, like going with their family in their country, but sometimes it was just going at the academy. It was kind of uh, reloading, recharging, coming from the tournament. And 
still now, I think, I mean, plenty of players uh, are still in contact and sh sharing more or less moments or everything, but everybody keep in contact, even if they are not pro anymore, tennis pro, but everybody is in contact because we shared a lot of moments. So it was, and even the coaches are still uh, talking together, the fitness coach together, the tennis coach together, the, the physios, the, yeah, for sure. Every, everybody keep sharing the, the, those nice moments. Yeah. Nice. And tell me who of all the juniors you had when you were at the academy, who was the naturally the fittest out of them all? Is there anybody that stands out that could just run for days? Wow, the list is long, huh? We had uh, crazy. Uh, there was, uh, but for sure, there was all this group. Like um, there was a Sebastian for sure, Sebastian Lavi. There was Renzo Olivo. There was there was Sam Barry. There was um, Martin Fuskovic for a little bit. So that's that was for the for the boy. There was Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova who was number one junior. Uh, there was. Uh, previously, there was uh, Marcos, who was number one junior. We had Laura Robson. There was, uh, for sure, Grigor. Let me think. Uh, who else? In terms of uh, kids. There was um, uh, Putinseva, Yulia Putinseva. There was Elise Mertens from Belgium. Has kids. Was there Camilla Georgi, too. Uh, Sasha Vickery. The list is long, huh? I can continue. Very long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good crew. And tell me, when so did you decide to go full time with players? When I started the academy, I did both tennis and fitness, and I loved both. And then at some point, I talked with Patrick, and I, I realized, and it helped me to realize that basically I was more into the fitness than the tennis. I love tennis, but all my tennis session, all my tennis uh, point of view was based on the fitness. Not all, but mainly, I would say. And then uh, it was a time at the academy that one fitness coach uh, left the academy. So it came a bit naturally to say with Patrick, uh, I said, listen, I, I, I want to keep helping the academy. I love the atmosphere here and I want to keep on working here and help. But uh, and then there was this opportunity to go in the fitness. And then we said, OK, try to go full fitness at the academy and and see how it goes and you can still keep a bit the contact with tennis sometimes if you want so it was a kind of back and forth and then at some point the the fitness side increased a lot and uh, we start having one uh, one physio and then after we had one physio one osteo after we had one two physio one osteo two physio one osteo one nutritionist after and and a medical doctor and then and and uh, podologist, and then we start increasing the the numbers of fitness coach too. So we became bigger, 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 and bigger. And then at some point, I couldn't. I I, I mean, I could not continue to go tennis. Plus, I was traveling with uh, with players as a fitness coach. So I became really like the. I mean, only the the, the fitness, manager. Yeah, manager and uh, yeah, yeah, and for the for the only for the for the fitness and. And since that, I, I continue to be to be uh, the only only fitness. Was there a point where you reached where you preferred to be? You, you were too much managing rather than on the court with the players. Was there ever a point like that? I, I loved it. I loved it. You mean to manage the, the different like the organization? Well, it got bigger and bigger. So, and you were in charge of the fitness. So you felt like you were spending too much time. I loved it. You know, managing people rather than 
working with players? Did no, no, no. Always, always, I wanted to keep, like I would say, the feet on the ground. All the time, I wanted to keep contact with the players and keep uh, keep practicing them all the time. Because for me, this is the the base of the job. If you if you lose the contact with a session, a proper session, and do some stuff, you're losing a little bit the the, the proper job. But there was another part which I love too. It was really to recruit like the the older older fitness coach, and in the beginning when they arrived, trying to help help them a little bit, and then uh, help the the schedule, the program, having meeting with the uh, with the academy, with the tennis coaches. Uh, we organized sometimes some camp in the mountain or during off season. You know, it was it was a part of the job that came a bit naturally because I had to do it and I was happy to, and I, I was really happy to do it too. So it, it was really both things, but always was like, I don't know if I can say 50, 50. Sometimes it, there are some weeks it was 80, 20. Sometimes it was 50, 50, you know, but yeah, it was both, but it was, it was super nice to do both because overall I had one goal. It was really to, improve the academy and make the academy being better especially all the fitness and the i would say more general the healthy side so if i could help i, I would help it was my really my main goal and my main focus to make the academy better and for sure make the player better and uh, having more result that basically which you did do yeah we had some good results yeah <laughs> yeah so what was the next stage after after Mortoglu's where you start working with players directly, was it? Yeah, yeah, because after when the academy moved to the south, I mean, with my family, it was a bit complicated to move into the, the south of, of France with the academy. So I say maybe later, but uh, I lived amazing 10 years and I, I didn't want to not sacrifice, but my family was the priority too at this moment. And you know, when you travel a lot and uh, when you don't see too much your family, your family is a bit dedicated to you. And I wanted to have this feedback too for my family, my kids and my wife too, to to say it's a moment that they have the stability where we are and I'm not going to move them again to travel a lot, to work full-time at the academy and then create a kind of instability on a personal note. So... I said, and Patrick understood well, like I said, I, I prefer for the moment, if I can help at distance, I, I would do it for sure to start the new academy in the south of France. But uh, for the moment, I will I will stay by, by myself. And then I create my own company and uh, and then I start working with the with players. This is the moment where I continue to, to work with Serena. And uh, so actually it was, I don't like this word because it's, it's not a client, but my first uh, players uh, I was in charge with my company was Serena. So it was pretty good stuff. It was nice. And then I continue after with, and since now I continue having my own company and I, I do different kind of sport linked to the consulting linked to the, to the sport because I love basically everything is turning around sharing the movement and sharing the sport. So either it's in tennis, either it's in fitness, either it's in consulting for any kind of thing, different kind of sport or anything. It's just the the, the, the main word is like sharing sh sharing to move and, and if I can help, I help. That's my, my main goal. And 
tell me for our listeners, you've worked with, you worked with, did you travel with Baghdadis? Yeah, with Marcos, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you travel. travel with Marcos, you Serena, Grigor, anybody else that you worked with on a long-term basis? Oh, yeah. There was um, Latisha Shan a little bit. There was Aravan Redzai for a pretty long time. There was Serena, Grigor. There was Yelena Dokic a little bit, Laura Robson, Alize Lim. There was Camila Georgi. There was Sasha Vickery, Victor Anescu, a little bit Jeremy Shardy. Caroline Garcia, Enzo Cuaco. So he was not all the time like full time with them. Sometimes he was because we were like a fitness coach and we had a really strong and and uh, and a good team. So sometimes we were we were just uh, I would say sharing the player. You know, like when if someone during a tournament was was with one of the players, the other was in charge of the other. And what I really wanted to to create, it was we have our own uh, personality. But we need, in the same time, to have our own vision and uh, uh, the same vision. Sorry. So, like this, there's not a lot of difference. That's why, for example, if one fitness coach thinks only, okay, yoga and the mobility is only that who counts for tennis player, and if you have another one, okay, it's just the power lifting who counts and uh, spend time only in the gym and lifting weights, then after. You cannot create a balance because the players sometimes will go with one coach and say, okay, I would just do the mobility and after I would just do the lifting. So it's it's super important to to find a kind of balance between everybody. So that's why in the, the list can, uh, I forget, there was Pauline Parmentier, there was uh, Yanina Wigmeyer, uh, there was other players, but it was more or less sometimes. But the one I follow the most, sorry, the one I follow the most for sure was Aravan Redzai, and, and uh, for sure there was Ali Zelim and um, Caroline Garcia a bit at distance when she was not at the academy, and um, and Grigor for sure, but Grigor is, is still on. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to talk about Grigor today, but you have worked with him for over 10 years now, is it? Yeah. Well, impressive. Yeah, that's a good that's a good sign to you know, I'd say some players you see where they have the same fitness coach for years. I don't know, you look at Roger, yeah, yeah. Novak, yeah. I'm sure Rafa, the top guys seem to work with one guy most of their career, which is quite impressive when you look at it. Yeah, it's um I mean it's just after it's go a bit further than only the 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 work, the proper work, like sending session or doing a session with someone. It's more about sharing the moment and uh, sharing a, f- a philosophy and uh, yeah w- w- what else can I say if, I mean for Grigor is like uh, I don't know if he's my third kid or if it's yeah I don't know <laughs> I'm taking care of him like uh, sometimes yeah I consider him you're his uncle yeah yeah it's, it's my like my son sometimes <laughs> that's crazy and just question all these years like you're at the top of the game I've been told by other people telling me this that you're like you're such a good trainer you won the best in the world if not the best in the world did you was there any trainers you looked up to when you were learning was there anybody that you thought this guy's really good yeah the, the thing is I'm not looking exactly someone in particular, because I'm really, I consider myself as a decathlon fitness trainer. I explain myself, like, I am not ultra, ultra specialist in, uh, for example, the mobility. For sure, there are some 
very good guys who are who know better than me. I'm not super ultra specialist in uh, speed. Uh, the guy, the coach who are specialists for the 100 meters on the track, for example, for sure they know things better than me. But I, I know, I would say good, but in all those kind of area. And when I need it, then I use it for the players. And I I used a lot uh, in my, for example, in my library, I have a lot of books like... Uh, trying to get some ideas from um, from uh, ski for example because we need to use some practice that the top ski athletes use for tennis uh, the box i use uh, for the collective sports for the soccer i use for rugby i use for for sure for tennis i, I use for different kind of sport for squash for example i mean i use different kind of um, of uh, books of fitness coach i'm constantly and plus now with uh, Instagram even even if I'm not a, a big uh, Instagrammer but but uh, uh, I check on Instagram uh, I look on the YouTube I keep on reading books uh, it's non-stop because this it it's never locked I mean the way we were doing and I was doing the, the, the my concept of the fitness session and the fitness training 20 years ago and 10 years ago and now it, I, I cannot say it's completely different, but it is different for sure because we had always like new equipment, new concept, new manner of uh, recover, of uh, uh, strengthen the, um, the shoulder, of reinforce the core, of working on the mobility, or plenty of stuff like that who are always new. And you need to be on top of that, always keeping your philosophy, but always adding and trying things. I cannot exactly name one person because I think there are there are always good things to take in any one of the of the books or video or fitness coach or anyone can bring things anyone so it's everything is interesting rather it can be even the the, the nutrition it can be for sure the mental aspect so at the moment, I'm I'm completely into the, the like the Kenyan, you know, because I was with the Kipchoge breaking sub two because I love running. So I was reading books about the Kenyan philosophy, how what they do, you know. For, so for the moment, this is my mood. But plus now I have plenty of time, so so I'm reading books and yeah, yeah. You know, I like the philosophy where you you want to learn everything and then you take the best parts of everything and how they can exactly. be applied to tennis. Yeah which is great. Join over 10,000 people who have downloaded our free match and practice PDFs over at functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. Our match and practice PDFs help you plan and evaluate your matches and practices. We have some other free downloads there for you too. So make sure you go over to functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. I do also, for, for me, I'm no trainer, I'm no pro tennis player, but I do like when I train with different people, even in different countries, you always learn... You may not learn a lot. You may learn one thing and sometimes you bring that one thing back to your training. And I think my own training routine is made up of little bits I've found from a lot of people and now they're all together. And it's a, it's a bit like that. Yeah, and if I can add one thing, something who helps me a lot. He was at the academy for 10 years. I I mean, I help and I share with plenty of players or of coaches but all those players and they don't realize and they didn't know and even me by the time I didn't I didn't realize but they share a lot to me without knowing but all those coaches 
uh, with whom I work and all the the players coming from all over the world. When you have a, a kids coming from Argentina, when you have a kids coming from United States, another one coming from Africa, another coming from Asia or East European, or and and you see in the beginning when you are when you are open because this is super important to always stay open and don't think that. You know everything about everything. That's super important. That's the rule uh, for me. And when, when you see and you see, ah, okay, so this is how he is. This is why he's good. This is, and when you share, or even, well, for example, having the chance to to share the, for example, with Serena, how, how she was in the practice and everything, even who's top player, even uh, Grigor now, everything, how they react, how they are, and those kind of things. It's, uh, I mean, you learn, you learn a lot from. Without, because there's no books for that, is just to keep open mind and then see how they are and take the best out of it. Even the to share with tennis coaches, it's super important, super interesting how they organize the week, what is the their philosophy, what is their their point of view, what they think about the game, and you know you you always learn from that. I try all the time to to take the best out of it. I keep it for me, and then I try to. Not to reproduce, but I try to make a mix of that, and I try to I try to be better. As simple as that. <laughs> yeah, the usual one percent better every day. Okay, so we're going to move on to what really this interview was about. You said you'd love to help players out there, coaches out there who are stuck at home, who maybe can't get out. Some players can get out for one run a day, they may have an hour they can get out. Yeah, yeah. And but some some are locked in, they can't get out. I'm not sure exactly on situations in every country, but I know here we can get out for one hour. I know in the <laughs> UK they can get out for one run. Yeah. They can do like an exercise a day. You say you can get out. So I think in most countries people can get out on maybe not in the group on their own. But a lot of people may be at home and they may not have any equipment because they don't really train at home because they're on the road all the time. I know in the UK, the LTA sent equipment to some players, but that's only to the top guys, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the very few top guys. So what things, uh, Sebastian, can players do who are at home to remain sharp, to maintain their fitness level? And so they're... Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, because now, I mean, I think a lot about it because players are asking me or even people are asking me, friends are asking me, but what can I do? What can I do? I would start with one thing is just the point of view of that, that for sure it's, it's a, I would say, difficult moment. But as soon as you are healthy... It shouldn't be difficult for me. It should be to use this moment to work on things and to do things that you don't have the habits to do and see those weeks more as an opportunity than the opposite. I think this is uh, something important because if you see it this way, then you see your days and your workout and where you are a bit different. So I know it's difficult. I know. But... What what can we do? Uh, yeah. It's better to think solution than uh, problem all the time, and uh, that's why to for me to to focus on, for example, the first it's kind of reset the body. So for sure we rest because, as I said, we are walking between five and ten thousand steps a day, which is half of what we have the habits to do. Uh, in general. So for sure, it's kind of resting the body and 
the, the rest is one of the key. So th that's an important thing. And then it's really the moment for me to work on things that we don't take the time to work on it. For example, you know that your weakness is, uh, for example, the ankle because you twist often your ankle. Okay. So every day you do proprioception. To do proprioception, you just need a, a floor, you work bare feet, and you need a pillow. And uh, with one pillow, you close your eyes, you move your arms, you throw a tennis ball against the wall, you take a bottle of water, you shake it. You, I mean, you have plenty of things to do, and you keep, you take time to keep working on that. And you know that you're gonna have, I would say, I don't know, we don't know yet, but four, five, six weeks to work on that. And when you're gonna go out of this moment, then you will improve that. And uh, so. For sure, the strength, I mean, after we see plenty of video everywhere of the of the fitness uh, workout every day. So this, it's pretty easy to keep the muscle tonicity, even without equipment. We know it's not the best, but at least the goal, the main goal will be for sure to keep the muscle tonicity. And then after to keep a little bit the cardio, if you can go out, go for a run, keep the, the speed and the quick feet, you find the pavement and suddenly you go like doing quick feet on it. You can cut your running by doing a skipping rope, uh, doing some stairs. If you have a hill or anything, you can sprint on it. You can do like a high knees, butt kick or different kind of thing. So anything to keep the muscle tonicity and the cardio for me is uh, is. First of all, okay, so it's important that players take this opportunity to work on their weakness and also then to have a bit of structure in their day. For sure. And another point is to have this consistency because I can see that, for example, some person, not only tennis players, but everybody is like, in the beginning, it's the first week, oh, it's nice, I'm at home, I can uh, clean my house, read books, go to internet, do my burpees, jumping jack, uh, push-ups, whatever. I have my, uh, my band, I can work a bit with my band, I have some dumbbells so I can work on it. Okay, it's fine. You do this one week, you do this 10 days, you do this two weeks. But what will come up now in three, four, five weeks? That's where we will see the difference of the consistency and uh, the importance of the work and how in a way mentally strong uh, we can be. And uh, it's going to be at this moment that the, the, the kind of difference will come. And it's going to be super important at this moment to have the, the structure and this consistency. So not my advice would be not to overtrain and to overload because of, I would say, kind of excitement in the beginning. And after completely lose it in three or four weeks, you know, we don't go for 100 meters. We go for... I would say minimum a marathon. So you don't go a marathon like you start at 100 meters. <laughs> so do the job, but pace yourself in the same time. It's a, it, it, it should be a, a, fine, a, a fine balance between both. That's super important. You beat me to it. I was going to say like, okay, well, I'm going to go for a run every day. And next thing you know, 10 days in, I've tendonitis because I don't normally run yeah. in a straight line yeah. every day. Yeah. So you have a good point. Don't oh, just see it as an eight-week or 10-week program. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there is exactly, there is another thing we don't have to forget too. It's about the immune system because, okay, there is the injury and not to do things that you, you don't have the habits to do or if you don't have the habits to introduce it progressively weeks by weeks 
And the second point is not to make your immune system weak too, because we know that at the moment there are kind of virus and everything. So we know that it's important not to be completely overtrained and and uh, as we said, to go on diet and everything. And yeah, let's lose it to lose weight and to be in super shape and everything. We need to be, be careful about that too. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, to do the work for sure, to keep constant, but to to be smart, I would say, in those moments. Okay, well, let's let's say we're in, we're in like week three, week four, you know, you've built up gradually. Like how many hours a day should a player be doing, be it, be it going for a run, be it a bit of strength work, mobility work? For me, if you can have two two sessions a day would be good, like one kind of cardio in a day to keep to keep the cardio. So if you can go outside for sure, would be to go for a run, bring, as I said, bring the skipping rope, go on the stairs, do some, bring bring the, the pulse a little bit high too. That, that's That's important too. And go outside to take the vitamin D of the sun, uh, if possible. That's for sure. And the second part would be more the um, in a day would be more like a, it can be either the mobility, the core, do some lunges, working on the on the shoulder, on the back. You know, so more keep the tonicity. So there is those two parts for me who are super important. And again, to have this consistency, not to say okay, I'm gonna go for three weeks in a row, nonstop, 21 days. I mean, uh, if take it's the a, weekends off. Yes, yeah, or some. It depends. Again, if if you have a player who has the habits to play three hours tennis a day and two hours fitness, and okay, then maybe you can you can go for a bit more. But if you have the depends where you come from, what is your background? But to keep one days off in a week, it's important too to keep it longer because it's the most important is to keep this base and this consistency because we know that at some point they're gonna we're gonna have the green light to restart again the the tennis court to restart again the gym and then to restart the tournament. But they're not gonna say okay the next tournament is in three days. No, they they will most probably say next tournament is in three weeks. So everybody will have time to restart again but if you're not at least in i would say okay or good shape then you will need those two or three weeks to get back into shape so you can now save time to i would say keep it not lose and try to keep it if you end if you can increase on some specific area why not that's super nice that's super nice great and tell me which should be done first? Should the cardio work be done in the morning or should more the strength work be done in the morning? Or can you mix it up? Does it matter? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I would say in your day, the priority first. So for example, if your priority in the day is to really work on the strength and you want the quality, I would say the priority is for sure to put the strength. So you're going to have pretty solid session on the strength in the morning. But um, if your priority is to make a, a go for a run, having a good a good cardio session and work on the dynamic and everything, then you're going to put the morning. I would say this, but in the same times, the load we have at the moment is not as uh, when you go in a gym or when you go properly on the track, uh, doing a big session on the bike or on a different kind of machine for the cardio or doing intervals back and forehand, you know. So 
the load is less, so there is less impact between the session. So it's... There should be both two good sessions. <laughs> yeah, of, overall, yes. After my advice, for sure, is to go out when the sun is out, <laughs> to take the sun and the light. That's for sure. And not to to go run by night. And nice. And should the footwork session be done with the cardio session or should yes. it be done the other session? Yes, 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 for sure. It's a very good mix to do like interval, any kind of interval, like 10, 10, 15, 15, 10, 20, 20, 20, 30, 30, 15, 30, 30, any kind of interval is very good. And to mix it up with the footwork, like cross step, side step, a little bit of jump, sprinting. Uh, if you have the medicine ball, throwing some medicine, some medicine ball against the wall. Yeah, any kind of uh, footwork to, to keep in shape is super important. And to mix it up with the, with the cardio can be very good too, to have both the in the same time the speed work and in the same time the cardio work the the, the with uh, with the interval so yeah for sure it's 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 a very good mix very good combination to have and again to mix it up for the head and for the fitness so sometimes go for a run like 30 minutes change the pace a little bit and sometimes don't go for a run uh, just uh, go for only stairs and skipping rope for example and uh, uh, interval sprinting on 10 seconds you know so to mix it up for the quality and the adjustment of the body to work different and for the mental stuff because at some point unless you are for sure a long distance runner but if you are a tennis player to go every day run 45 minutes or one hour every day every day every day there is first for sure the injury who can come because you don't have the habits to do it and then at some point you're going to do this one week two weeks and then after you're not going to run at all <laughs> i think that goes back to your point over structure you'd say okay well one long run a week two speed sessions i don't know two footworks you break it up and that's what you do every week rather than go for a run every day long run and that's it gets pretty boring so you do need structure and where it's mixed up even the intervals, let's say you say 10, 10, 20, 20, 30, 30. What's the ideal intervals to do or should it all be mixed up all the time? I think it's, it's, very, it's very good to mix because, you, you know, the body, in a way, more you surprise the body, most the body has to adjust. And when the body has to adjust, is at the moment that the body improves. One day it's good to do only 10, 10 and only super din- dynamic footwork high knees, skipping rope, stairs, anything, you know, like super dynamic footworks. That's very good. You do 10-10 and it lasts like for 20 minutes and it's enough. And two days later, uh, you can go for a run and you go for 30 minutes and uh, just constant pace. And uh, sometimes you had in the middle of it, two or three times you had one minute of to keep the dynamic of the footwork, like uh, high knees or things like this, you know. So it's like it's like a mix, and it's the mix who's gonna bring the quality overall of the weeks of the weeks. So, because if you do all the time the same session, first mentally it can be tough, and the second point is like the the body will get used to. So for sure, as tennis player, we need the legs because tennis is a sport. Legs for me. And the second point is we need the speed. That's super important to keep always uh, short contact on the floor, being in dynamic with the feet and the ankle 
and exercise like this is super important. So to always keep it dynamic, because as I said, okay, go for one hour for an easy jog at, uh, I don't know, slow pace, I would say 10K an hour. Okay, you can do this one day, but after that, you're not going to do that every day because you're going to, okay, without talking about the injuries, as we said, but you're going to go, you're going to become slow, you know? So you need to mix it up with some dynamic footwork. That's super important because tennis is a speed sport and quickness and reaction. That's super important. And yeah, no, great point. And tell me, I remember reading about Agassi when he made his famous comeback and he said how he was back running the hills of Vegas. How important are running uphill for tennis players? Running uphill is important because you work... Again, it's a manière to shake the body. I see it this way. So, for example, when you run up, the position of the ankle is a bit different and you have to run more on your front foot. You don't put the heel. So basically, you increase the strength of your calves and you, you muscle the calves and you work the footwork differently than we used to do on the flat surface. So it's very good to mix that. And it's super interesting. Plus, for sure, for the cardio, I mean, you do sprinting 100 meters in a hill, then for sure the cardio will go high. <laughs> That's for sure. But, you know, it, it's super interesting even to we, being careful. But it's interesting to run downhill too. Uh, it's uh, interesting to run uh, on a different kind of surface to all kind of things we're going to... Uh, shake the system is interesting because the system will have to adjust and when the system will have to adjust then it's interesting so bring the when i say the system i mean the the nervous system i mean the muscle the the, the ligament everything in the body it's super interesting because you create this is how you create adaptation and this is what's super uh, interesting so any anything is good as soon as it's healthy for sure don't do stupid things. If it's easy, move on. It's too, so variance is key. So with all your running, variance is key. And tell me, for let's say tennis players playing tennis all the time, their, their shoulder muscles are always strong. They're hitting a lot of balls. Now that they're not hitting any balls, the shoulder muscles, the rotators, the, sat, the subscap is going to get weak. What can we do as tennis players to maintain those small muscles? That's a super moment because all the time we have always the tennis and we try to make prevention of the shoulder. As you said, fixing the scapula in the back, working on a rotator cuff, everything. And now we don't have that. So we have zero tennis, so it's really a very good moment to really create an unbalance in a good way. So it's really the moment to, especially for the one who was a bit struggling with uh, inflammation, uh, tendinitis, or problem in the shoulder or in the back or, or, or wrist or elbow, it's a really very good opportunity the next weeks to really stabilize and fix that with proprioception and plenty of exercise like this because you don't have the tennis and you have plenty of time to work on that. So it's it's really interesting moment. After, the only, I would say, problem, but difficulty we can have is when you really cannot hit one ball, then you lose a little bit the impact in the, in the arms and in the bones. But in one month, I mean let's say one month, five, six weeks, I hope no more. But you, you, 
in the beginning, for sure, you can do all the work you want. Players will be a little bit sore. That's for sure. That's why it's going to be super important. But maybe we we can talk later about that. But uh, it's going to be super important not to say, okay, suddenly I can play tennis. I go six hours every day because <laughs> I want to play so bad because uh, it's not good. It's not good. It's like someone who never runs suddenly will go run like a, a 50K on concrete suddenly and the day after again 50K. It's the same thing. So it's, it should be a slow restart to adjust the body progressively to get back into the normal. But we are not talking about six months without tennis, which is different. So for sure, it's going to be a bit tricky in the beginning, but uh, having the impact, if you can have like a medicine ball, throw against the wall, keep the specific motion of the forehand, of the serve, and throw some balls, even if it's just a tennis ball or, or some things, for sure, to keep this, it's always good. It's always good to keep it a little bit, for sure. If you if you do have a garage wall or the side of your house, hitting a tennis ball against that could actually help you a little bit, maintain a bit of a shock. Exactly, like a volley or any, any kind of things. You you keep you keep having the racket in your hand. That's important too to have the grip to do some shot forehand, backhand. You know, but to I would say to keep it a little bit, but not to again not to overdo it because at some point there's no point. Yeah, I'm just thinking the other thing as well. I just thought of theirs. They spent years building up the resistance in their feet and hands for blisters. I yeah. say when they go back, they're going to be a nightmare with blisters. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why they need to keep on. Uh, I mean, it's important to keep having the racket in the hand, having the grip, keep working on the forearm, the the wrist, and exercise. I mean, like this to keep the strength. Uh, you know, I like to use, for example, you know what, the, the climber, uh, as I said, I like to use any kind of sport and take the best out of it. And for example, the, the climber, you know, I, I are really strong in the forearm and in the finger for the for the strength. And uh, What's the climber, the Versa climber, is it? No, no, when I mean climber, uh, rock climber, you know what I mean? Oh, the, rock climber. Yeah, yes. sorry, yeah, yeah, rock climber, no. And and it's and it's interesting to keep reinforced and, and muscle the, the muscle of the hand of the form and, and in the wrist. That's super nice too. After for the blisters, it's gonna be prevent for sure this in putting like a cream, you know, like a special cream to to keep the skin a, a bit ready for that. Unless you 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 can play and you can keep having the the racket every day, but for sure most probably you're going to have blisters more in the hand than the feet because in the feet, if you go for a run and especially if you keep changing direction with your tennis shoes and with your normal socks and everything, then you should avoid the blisters at least a little bit because for sure it will never replace right, left, right, left for two hours in a hot condition and humid weather and everything. We will never replace that. But we can still find a way to even go in the street. There's no shame to do right, left, and uh, move and do specific footwork. I mean, who cares? <laughs> no, no, nobody cares right now. I'm sure though there are a few tennis players out there with their own tennis court in their house, and there's still some will, some will come out of this probably in very good shape. Yeah, that's a different situation. Yeah. But only a handful, only a few. But no, yeah. uh, Sebastian, I'm not sure if there's anything else you'd like to add. I think you've said a lot. It was great hearing your story, and your tips will be will go down really well with our audience. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, 
hope so. I hope so. As a, once again, in those moments, if I can help and share, it's it's with pleasure because once again, it's it should be seen not it's it's difficult for sure. I can understand that, but it it should be seen as an opportunity to work and develop things that we don't have the habits to do. Not only on the fitness side, but then watching some matches, doing some some video reading, and uh, yeah, different kind of things that. We are always like back to back to back because we play every week, practicing, going tournament, traveling, hotels and nonstop. And then, yeah, let's have a break for six months. Uh, six months, I hope not. For six weeks. <laughs> Tennis players often give out they don't get a break. So this is actually, I think this could do their body really good, which is good. Yeah, you reset. You reset the body. And you know what? You know, coming from that, I hope and I'm sure that after those, let's say, two months, most of the player will will have benefit of this moment and will understand maybe more about their body or how they train and they will learn about themselves or how to organize the season or they will understand that sometimes it's good to have one week off, maybe not six for sure, but to have one week off to cut and to say, okay, this week I just rest. Because we think long-term process, and maybe you have some who was always a bit on the edge with, for months, uh, struggling with the shoulder or with the hip or whatever, and then suddenly they are forced to have six weeks in a row, and then they're gonna come back, and they wouldn't maybe take it, but now they will take it, and they will come back in six weeks or two months, and they will feel much better, and they will be ready to train again, and the pain will be completely gone and they're going to be happy in a way. So, yeah. How hard though is it to say, no, these guys just love playing tennis. Every day is important. And even for, it's just so hard to say no sometimes. So hopefully they'll learn sometimes. Yeah. And you know, if we look at the big pictures, a career, I would say is around 15, 20 years. I don't know if you're pro, maybe 15 years. You stop two months. If, again, you're AC, you stop two months in 15 years. You have to stop two months in 15 years. It's okay. I mean, it's... Yeah, and and plus you have some who have the habits because some are unfortunately injured and sometimes they have to have a surgery and they have to stop playing tennis for one month or two months. So they know how to deal with that kind of thing. So it's for them, it's not a problem in a way. That's what I've said before. Sometimes when people when players get an injury when they're younger, they learn the rehab and they always do the rehab and that stands to them in the long term. Rather than being 28, 29, never had an injury, never done rehab and all of a sudden, bang, you're in trouble. But yeah, I definitely think these, whatever it's going to be, six weeks, eight weeks, we don't know, but it will probably add a year at least to a player's career. So they'll make back their money because they'll get in the tour longer. Yes. I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope too. Yeah, yeah, but it, it it should be seen in this way. Sorry, sir. I just thought of one more question there before I let you go. Just advice for trainers who work with players. So, be it a coach at a smaller academy or at a national academy, who have junior players or pro players, how should they communicate with all their players through video? Give them a plan. My first answer and the first thing who is coming to my mind is talk to the parents. I know it sounds strange. I know it sounds a bit uh, special what I say, but my first thing is 
talk to the parents because the person who will be the link during those moments, I mean, talking for the kids, will be the parents. So the parents will be the engine on a daily basis. You can send any video, any program you want. If the kids doesn't do it, and because the parents, not only, but if the parents are not a bit, I would say, behind just to follow and be sure that they have done the work, then nothing will happen. So you can have amazing things, amazing program, amazing video or whatever you want. That, that's why my first answer would be the parents need to be in a way involved too. Why not doing with the kids? It's nice. You share a moment. You have, okay, oh, today... You have a core session to do. Okay, I do it with you for 30 minutes. That's super nice. And actually the kids is doing it. And then the parents are doing, they share a moment that maybe they wouldn't share usually. So why not? And then it brings motivation to the kids to have this consistency every day. So th that's super important. And the second thing for sure is, for me, only sending a program can be boring at the time. So to share like videos make live why not but i think it's it's uh, it's a nice thing to do because it's always nice just to to go through video and just follow the exercise instead of every day reading what you have to do and doing the exercise especially for young kids i mean at some point okay you have the band you do 15 repetition your shoulder this the back okay they can do but it's good that if in the day or let's say one day on two, they can follow a video and uh, why not doing like a yoga session? Sometimes you can discover like, oh, finally, I, I never did yoga, but I love yoga. Yoga is good for me or I love the yeah that kind of uh, session or it, it brings more motivation and we need to have that kind of different input to, to keep up the, the motivation. But once again, the environment will be super super essential the for, to have this consistency really important nice yeah i see uh seb down in new zealand he's doing they're doing live training that's super with, nice one went up today and we're going up tomorrow i'm going to start sharing them we we've got loads of videos and people asking us to do stuff but we were just waiting for the right opportunity and i think his one the way he's gone about it is the right way so yeah, we're yeah. going to share his videos, which I'm sure you designed, probably, maybe. I help a little bit. I'm a little bit in the background, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you sure. helped design them. So for people listening, check out our account on Instagram and we'll be sharing some of those live videos and the workout sheets from the Lavi Tennis Academy, which Seb here helped put together. They're really good. I saw the first one. And yeah, so Sebastian, uh, thank you very much. I uh, hope you and your family keep safe and we hope this ends really quickly. Me too, me too. I hope everybody stay healthy and um, and uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to, to to share those moments. It's always nice to to talk about the passion and I can share a lot and stay all day like this. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening to me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I definitely picked up a few bits and pieces the routine is so important and also variation. I could easily get stuck doing the same thing day in, day out. So variation for me is going to be a key moving forward. So I hope you can take some of those insights into your training, into your family life during this COVID-19 situation. And I hope importantly that you're healthy and safe. We've a busy few days ahead for the Functional Tennis Podcast. On Monday, we'll be doing a live video stream with Trickshot King Steph Bojic 
on Facebook. He's going to tell us all about his tennis career, how he's going to trick shots. It's going to be really good. He's loved worldwide. His tricks are unbelievable. So if you don't want to miss out on that, go to functionaltennis.com slash podcast and you can leave your name there and email address and we'll send you a message 24 hours before we go live and just before we go live. So don't forget to do that. And then on Tuesday, resume normal service. We'll have Ty Kwiatkowski on the podcast, a player who had a great start to the year this year. And unfortunately, COVID-19 has slowed that down. But we spoke to him a few weeks ago before all this really kicked off. But he gives us a good insight into his year. And yeah, it's going to be good. So apart from that, keep safe, guys. Try and stay indoors. And you'll be hearing from me very soon. Bye.